Hello and welcome to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace and I'm going on a journey. I hope you'll join me. This is a really great time for you to go get a tarot deck that you really like or want to get closer to. We're talking about strength today. I'm going to talk a lot more about this, but if you're looking for strength, it's sometimes the 11th card and sometimes the 8th card. And that's actually the topic of discussion today is why. Why is it both? Or either one, I guess. It's also a good time for you to make a good cup of tea, maybe some coffee, hot chocolate, your call. If you're in a car, just drive safely. The 8th card of the Major Arcana is about power, sacrifice, and rewards. When the Fool comes across strength... He learns patience, tolerance, and the softer power of love. I have four cards in front of me today, the usual suspects. Actually, no, I have different cards than usual. Um, I wanted to highlight different aspects of the strength card. The Wild Unknown Tarot is actually really cool because the artist um, specifically said that she couldn't focus unless she's doing a tarot card. And so it's a very detailed line art. It's clearly very focused and um, just little touches of color. And I just love it. So the strength card is a lion staring right at me. It's only the face of the lion. I can't see his body, even though it looks like it's there because there's shadow. He has a rose in his mouth and the infinity symbol is on his head and it's glowing reds and oranges and yellows. And above him is a sun. Um, It's really just the lines that depict a sun, but it's also the reds and oranges and yellows. This is the 11th card of the Wild Unknown. In the Animal Totem Tarot, the strength card is an ox pulling a cart. The ox is kind of standing there. Um, It looks like maybe he's taking a break. There's no movement in this card. In the cart, there's uh, tables, chairs, a bag, a couple rugs, it looks like, um, a stack of something, some books. He's moving. On his head is the infinity symbol. The strength card from the Light Seer's Tarot is a woman who is half, half of her face is that of a lion. Her hair kind of blends in with both. On her inner arm is tattooed a symbol of infinity. She's also wearing a watch. She's in a very spring-like dress, just white, bohemian. She has a heart necklace down to her stomach or her belly button area. Right next to her is a lamb. I didn't say this, I'm sorry, but the last card in this card is the eighth card of the Major Arcana. And then the Steampunk Tarot has a, um, a lion and an aviator. Uh, she has the goggles on her head and cute steampunk jacket. She is removing a gear from the lion's paw. The lion is um, holding his paw out gently. He looks like he's crying and there's blood coming out of the wound. There's an infinity symbol in pink in the sky. Tarot 101 says that infinity symbol that's in all of them is about infinite power. And something that I do not, did not know, but should have known is that it's called a lemmas gate. My cats are so riled up right now. It's literally, it's eight o'clock in the morning. They need to calm down. Okay. Um, It's called a lemmas gate. L-E-M-N-I-S-C-A-T-E. I didn't know that. I'm a math teacher. By golly. I should have known that. Tarot 101 goes on to say that the lion is about the fierce will to live within us all. The woman highlights a gentle nature. She's the beauty rather than the beast. 
any flowers, usually as a flower crown, but also the one in the lion's mouth is to highlight the gentle nature involved here. And white is a symbol of purity and innocence. Am I frustrated that white was um, males in an earlier episode and now it's females? No, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, the strength card has an interesting background. So historically, it was the fortitude card. It was not the strength card. The force, if you're looking at the Marseille. In 1909, Rider White Smith came along and switched the numbers, and we're going to get into a lot more about that. But also, um, Crowley, Alistair Crowley, who wrote the Toth Tarot, was not up for the switch, and he also renamed it to be Lust. Um, and I'm pretty sure it changed to strength at the Rider White Smith um, era, but I don't have any specific details about that. Most of my information today came from a deep Wikipedia dive. Um, like, you know, clicking the next link and clicking the next link. And what does that mean? And what does this mean? So um, we'll just overall say Wikipedia. And I'm not talking about the book, the Wikipedia. I'm talking about the internet searcher, search provider, Wikipedia. Tarot 101 says that originally the cards depicted Hercules battling the Nemean lion, indicating brute force and the suppression of the animalistic side of man. And then Wikipedia says the older decks had two competing symbols, either that um, somebody subduing a lion or a woman holding or breaking a stone pillar. And then Tarot 101 goes on to say the most prevalent image was that of a young maiden taming a lion with a gentle hand, indicating the acceptance and useful harnessing of animalistic instincts. The strength card represents the lust and vigor for life, the indomitable strength and power of will, energy, and drive that pushes us onward to greater heights and enables us to achieve our goals and dreams. So I hear a lot when I talk about the strength card that it's like, um, I actually say this, that it's taming using, rather than strength, using patience. The woman has to be very patient and brave to just go up to a lion and help him, right? Something that's scary. It kind of highlights that bravery that a woman needs to do that. But I really like this, um, that lust for life, indomitable strength, power of will, I think this is a song. On the deck that is not here, um, the symbol would be Lamed, which is knowledge, learning, and teaching. And the symbol for, or Leo, the zodiac symbol, is very common in here. This lion is just everywhere, right? That's the creative power. Okay. So <laughs> buckle up, because I feel like I'm going to start Charlie, that Charlie meme where he's got all the red red lines on the wall, but I'm going to try to make this as clear as possible in the way that I understand it. Um, so Wikipedia says that justice was the eighth card until Raider Waite swapped it with strength in order to make them better fit the astrological correspondences worked out by the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, under which the eighth card is Leo and the eleventh is Libra. Now, that's this is what started my whole episode about what is the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Like, I keep hearing about this. I don't know. Let's learn. So in 1887, uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was founded by William Woodman, William Westcott, and Samuel, Math Samuel Mathers. And like apparently all Hermetic Orders, which I didn't know was like a thing that people did, <laughs> um, they have certain circles and um, different people can be different um, layers. Now, the uniqueness that this Hermetic Order brought, again, in 1887, is that women could have equal status in, um, at, this t at the top, secret chiefs. In the first order, 
or the, the for the outer layer. Um, people learned the philosophy based on the Hermetic um, Kabbalah, classic elements, astrology, tarot, divination, and geomancy, which is divination using the earth. So stone throwing, reading dirt, um, probably some sticks involved too. In the second order, the inner order, you learn scrying, astral travel, and alchemy. And then the third, we don't know a lot about. Uh, it has secret chiefs. And then the internet specifically included Anna Sprengel, but I don't know who that is. But if that means something to you, congratulations. Um, Alistair Crawley was part of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Now, it only lasted until 1903 when it kind of fell apart. There was a change in leadership and people didn't agree with, and then it just sort of vanished. But what I find really interesting is that this is the same exact um, sort of feel to me as Wiccanism, right? Uh, inner circles, outer circles, learning as you go. It doesn't say the year and a day thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't part of this. Okay, so what is the Hermetic, Hermetic Kabbalah? What a great question. So we're going to go way back to the 15th century, though. So Giovanni de Amarandola promoted a syncretic worldview combining Platoism, Neoplatoism, Aristotelism, Hermeticism, and the, and the Kabbalah. Also in the 15th century, Heinrich Agrippa wrote three books of occult philosophy incorporating the Kabbalah and its theory in the practice of Western magic. He lived from 1486 to 1535, so I'm not really sure when in there he wrote this book. But what I do know is that Francis Barrett took this and wrote the Magus in 1801 about ceremonial magic. So this is starting to build, starting to collect information and thoughts. Eliphas Levi wrote literary embellishments. Um, and this sounds like just random pieces of paper. It doesn't sound like he wrote like a book. But he lived from 1810 to 1875, and it introduced white magic, black magic, and attributed the Hebrew letters to the tarot cards. So that, remember a couple episodes ago, I was like, why is Hebrew here? <laughs> what is this? This is why. This guy, Levi. Levi's the reason in 18-whatever that we have Hebrew letters attached to tarot cards. And I'm actually going to get a little bit more into that in a second. And then... The Hermetic Kabbalah was born, and it kind of combined all of these, and it combines the Jewish Kabbalah, Western astrology, alchemy, pagan religions, Neoplatonism, Gnosticism, the mm -hmm. notion system of angelic magic, Hermeticism, Tantra, which is the yoga thing, and mm -hmm. the symbolism of the tarot. This was foundational in this Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. I'm also not unconvinced that they didn't add to it and really combine this, right? It sounds like it sounds almost like the Golden Dawn took all of these sources and then wrote the Hermetic Kabbalah and then used it to teach their people. Um, there's also a, um, a couple other books that have these tables in the back with all of the um, symbolisms in them. I just find this so cool. Now, just really get into what all these symbolisms were and the reordering of the tarot deck. Um, W.M. Jass in 2014 wrote an article called Why Weight, Switch, Justice, and Strength. By the way, Raider Waite um, or Raider Waite Smith are three people. That's why their names are like that. Now, WM does a really good job of going through exactly why all these changes happened. They start off saying, One of the most basic assumptions most occultists make is that given any two sufficiently interesting sets of the same cardinality, there must be a one-to-one -one correspondence between their respective members. Now, what they're saying is that a group of people saw, Hey, there's 21 plus one tarot cards, right? There's 22 total tarot cards um, in the Major Arcana. 
and there happens to be 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So there must be a, a, some sort of connection. And so there's not a whole lot of sets of 22. Like 22 isn't common. And so what they did was they broke it down into the th into three different sections of types of letters. So there are three mothers, uh, which is the earth, and they use the water element, um, the firmament, they use the air element, and heavens, they use the fire element. So those are the three mothers, and then they do the seven planets. Now I know, I know what you're thinking. Did I just discount Pluto and throw something else out? No. What they considered planets were those visible from the earth plus the sun and the moon. And we'll get into those. I'm going to tell you which ones those are. And then there's 12 singles, which are the zodiac symbols. So the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn matched these together. So the three mothers um, are the fool, which is alf or the air symbol, death, um, which is noon or earth and water, and then judgment. I, when I'm saying alf and noon, I mean those are the Hebrew letters. And then I'm also telling you the correspondences in terms of those um, three different subsets of letters. So then the final one is judgment, which is shin, and it uses the fire element. And then they went through and they, um, and by they, I, I'm still talking about the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Um, they went through and were like, okay, well, what if we just put these things in order? And it didn't quite work. Like there wasn't really nice um, correspondences. So then what they did was they were like, okay, well, let's just match these things together. Um, luckily, the sun is the sun. Like the sun card is the sun correspondence. The moon's not the moon. The high priestess is the moon. And then um, the empress is Venus. The wheel of fortune is Jupiter. The tower is Mars. And the world is Saturn. And I think I missed one. Oh, the magician is Mercury. I did miss one. So after they had all of those laid out, there was only there was the 12 spots left and the problem is that the okay so the planets are kind of any willy-nilly order like they could put them in different places like that but they couldn't really do that with the zodiac symbols because they aren't a very prescribed order so they just went through and filled in the missing spots so the first blank spot was the emperor that's aries <clears throat> the hierophant was the next box spot that's taurus so they went down the list and filled them all in and everything kind of made sense. The only thing that didn't make sense was that justice was Leo and the strength uh, was Libra, which didn't make any sense because strength is the one with the lion in it. Justice is about the scales and balance. And so the only thing that Rider Waite did was switch those two cards. Now, could he have switched the moon to actually be the moon? <laughs> Probably instead of Pisces. That'd be nice, um, but he didn't. And that's just his, you know, it's his prerogative. He can do whatever he wants with his own deck. He also, um, to really to really solidify these correspondences, he changed a couple of cards just visually. So for instance, the high priestess um, was depicted as Isis and has the moon and some lunar symbols in her now to really show that she's the moon. The emperor's shield um, changed to be heart-shaped now and also will bear Venus's sign somewhere on the card which is the lady sign, like the circle and the plus underneath it. I always thought it was a person with a really big head, you know, like a stick figure <laughs> that was just a body, arms, and then a huge head. The emperor's card um, lost an eagle and gained a ram's head to really solidify that he was Aries. The lovers um, used to have the extra person. I talked about that in the lovers episode. Well, they lost that specifically to highlight the fact that they're, they are Gemini now. 
Temperance um, added flowers for Iris and to really show the Sagittarius. The devil became more goat-like because he's Capricorn. And there's no more Gemini imagery on the sun card. Understandably, Jess is a little mad about this, so I'm going to read this quote because I really liked it. All in all, I can think of very little good to save Voight's innovations, nearly all of which stem from this ham-headed attempt to force correspondences, quote, between two systems that were never meant to correspond, rather than from internal logic of the tarot. If he really wanted a deck of cards depicting astrological concepts, he could have just made one <laughs> instead of instead of messing up the tarot in this ultimately unsuccessful attempt to turn it into an astrological cipher. So I just like that last quote there. And then, as I said before, um, so Aleister Crowley went through the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and didn't agree with Raider Waite's switching of numbers a little bit after the Golden Dawn dispersed. And so um, when he made his tarot deck, he kept it as 8 and 11, but changed it to Lust instead of to Strength. And I keep seeing Aleister Crowley's name pop up. I think that he was part of um, the group that founded Wiccanism as well, or at least was heavily influenced by, um, or heavily influenced Wiccanism. He also felt like he was the um, uh, reincarnation of Levi, who's the one who wrote those literary embellishments, adding the Hebrew letters in the tarot cards. So I was honestly worried that this would sound crazy, like I was trying to um, do the red, the red lines across everything. I think I did a fairly decent job. Also, when I looked up the Hermetic or the Golden Dawn, first of all, it showed up under conspiracy theories. So I don't really know what the conspiracy part of this is, but anything that covers non-Christian beliefs definitely would fall under some sort of conspiracy theory if you're the church. So um, I hope you learned something today. And if you have anything to add, please go ahead and email me at omensandepiphanies at gmail.com. Or if you have any stories about any of these things that have happened in the past, or if you have any questions, um, I think I'm going to end up eventually with an episode that I'm not sure what to do. And in that episode, I'll just answer all your questions. So go ahead and ask anything. Um, We'll do a catch-all FAQ episode eventually. So email me. You can also reach out to me on Twitter uh, at Omens Epiphanies, Instagram and Facebook at Omens and Epiphanies. I'm also on TikTok at Omens and Epiphanies. And I have a website, omensandepiphanies.com. I post pictures of the tarot cards of the week on Instagram and on the website. So if you ever want to visually see what I'm talking about, you can go there. I'm a little behind right now, to be honest. I need to go ahead and uh, the last, I think, two or three episodes. Well, last episode plus this one and maybe the one before that. I'm not 100% sure. I hope you learned where the um, Strength and Justice switched and the really interesting history of those. Also, I learned enough for um, the Tower episode because the Tower didn't used to be called that. So I hope you'll join me next week for The Hermit. And... I hope you have a beautiful day. Okay, bye.